This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is March 21st, 2023. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. My name is Sal Locurdo, and I was at Hofstra Radio 1978 through 1980. Okay. Do you remember the names of any of the shows or programs that you worked on? Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. There was a, <laughs> a folk show called Strictly Folk, which uh, I think that's was the first program where I, I hosted. Um, there was Changes, which was sort of the, uh, the rock show, the progressive rock show. And then um, that became what was known as the post-punk progressive party later on. And I think in between, there was just a, a period where it didn't really have a name, if I remember mm. correctly. From Changes to post-punk, there was a window there where it, it I don't remember a name for it, but... Um, what else? Uh, I didn't, I wasn't on the, of the other shows, but I remember there was a classical block in the afternoon. Um, they had a polka show that, mm -hmm. that, that was apparently very popular at the time. Um, and then there was just some uh, general announcing too, that, that I did, that I was part of like a staff announcer. I think that's how I started. Right. Right. Uh, did you have any titles or positions at the station? I did not. And, you know, I think it's important to say I was I was not a student at Hofstra during my tenure at, at WVHC. I was actually an intern and I was a high school student. And uh, that's how I started there. And then I spent my first year of college uh, across the street at, at Nassau Community College. And for that first year, I continued to work at WVHC. So, um, yeah, I was, I was a little different, uh, than, than most of the, the members who were all, you know, students. Well, I think there were people who were adults who had long been past college and were, were working at the radio station too. Now that I mm. think about it. Um, when you were on the air, did you use your own name? Did you have any aliases or nicknames? Uh, no, I used my own name. Okay, um, so let's let's get back to the uh, to your origin story at at the station. I like to ask this as a two part question. Um, what was it that first brought you to the radio station? And then, if you could describe uh, what it was like when you got there, if you could give us a mental picture of what the station looked like at the time. What brought me to the station was an article that appeared in Newsday announcing the station's new um, transmitter and antenna. They had apparently upped the wattage and put an antenna on one of the dorms. And there was an article in Newsday, I remember it, there, were, there was a photo of, of Jim Helfgott and Steve Graziano. And, um, and, and my mom brought it to my attention and said, why don't you approach Hofstra? Because she knew... I was interested in media and radio as uh, in high school. I was doing a lot of things in high school that were uh, media and broadcast extracurricular stuff. And she said, why don't you approach Hofstra and see if you can do an internship there? Um, that was a really good idea on my mom's part. Yeah. And so uh, I'm not sure exactly how it all came about, but I did. 
and uh, much to their credit, they were very open and hospitable to that idea, which um, to this day, I'm, I'm really grateful. Uh, that was, they didn't have to do that. I wasn't a paying student. Um, and, and they did. And it was, um, you know, it turned out to be a, a really, really great experience for me. And um, I'm, I'm still, you know, very, very thankful to that group to this day, because it was really nice. Hmm. Um, Do you you remember anybody that you you spoke to? Did you call on the phone or did you just kind of show up at the station? What was that? What was, how did you approach them? I think, I think, and I can't quite remember, but I think I had a phone call with, with Jim Helfgott, who was the station manager at the time. And he seemed very open to it. And then I, I remember having a meeting there up at the station at the, uh, you know, it, it, I can't remember the, the hall it was in, but it was on the second floor of one of the halls at, at Hofstra. Um, the office was separate from the studio. The studio was across the way in the basement of what was then called the Little Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was in the office on the second floor. It was kind of a big room. A lot of desks all all around the perimeter, and and Jim's desk was all the way in the back, kind of next to Jeff Krause's desk. Um, and and I remember sitting there talking to him, and and he put me in touch with another department. Um, and I'll remember this too: the, the the person's name was Fred Obrock, and he at that point was overseeing continuity, and uh, that's where they stuck me for my first. Uh, couple weeks months there and in the i didn't even know what continuity was right um so it was kind of ironic i couldn't type and i could barely spell cat but they they put me in the continuity department um and and i worked with fred and and again he was extremely nice and and welcoming and i was a little nervous a high school kid stepping into this college environment brand new to me um but, you know, I, I was so welcomed by the whole group. Um, and they, and he taught me, you know, what they did there. And they basically wrote PSAs on index cards. And um, that was easy enough. And that's kind of how I got my start there. I would just show up a couple days a week and uh, see what was in the inbox there and type up some index cards and socialize with the, the folks in the in the office and get to know them better and um and and they all knew you know what I wanted to do which is eventually get on air I wanted to learn how to be on air so uh they they put me on a track to do that which mm. again was fantastic um what were the kind of things that you were doing in high school that that your mom said well I think you want to go look at this radio station. Were you doing like morning announcements or what, yeah. what, what, what were you up to? Yeah, that's, that's what I, I was doing a lot of things um, that had to do with, I guess, if you were going to be a communications major in college, I was doing the morning announcements. Um, we also had uh, an AV group and we would um, videotape uh, events at the school we would have, we would videotape the plays. So I was working with um, a small group of students and teachers to work the cameras, and then uh, I was also working with the uh, the mixer on on how to direct, looking at the various 
cameras through the monitors and then, you know, putting together what, what I didn't know at the time was called a line cut. Um, mm. But that's, that's what I was doing. Um, and, and just having a general curiosity for, for radio and media in general, I, I would, um, I worked for the newspaper. I was the photo editor on the newspaper. So I was into photography. Uh, I remember taking some trips into New York and uh, visiting a neighbor who worked at WNEW, AM and FM, and he gave me mm. a tour of the studio. So, you know, I was doing anything I could to, to get exposed to primarily radio, but, but media in general. So I think, you know, when my mom saw this article, it was like, hey, you know, why don't, why don't you look into this? Because, you know, she saw I was trying to get a head start on things. Yeah. And, and this was another way to get a head start. Oh, that's really, uh, that's really neat and, and thoughtful. Um, now in, in your head, you read this article and what did you think a, a, a radio station would look like? And then you get to Memorial Hall and the little theater, where, where, did it meet your expectations? Was it, was it, uh, surprising? What did you think? Uh, I will say this. My initial impression was I thought it was really cool when I yeah. was in that tiny studio. I thought it was really cool. I remember looking at everything and saying, I got to learn how to work this in my head. Um, that said, I had already been to professional studios in New York and, right. and seen how all that stuff was, was done. I, I was at WABC at one point. I was at WNEW, AM and FM. I remember seeing this massive newsroom at the old WNEW building with, you know, tons of tickers and desks and, carts all over the place. And, and I was, it was just overwhelming. So I wasn't disappointed by the Hofstra studio at all. I, it's kind of what I expected and, and it was exciting to me. Um, and probably managed in my mind, it was manageable. Uh, unlike yeah. when I was at the, the New York operations, which was just huge and, and overwhelming. It sounds like you had a, a curiosity about, you know, when, if, when you're in the AV group, at, in that era, you know, you're, you're working with real equipment and you have to figure out how things work and, and, and how to manage them today. Everything's so, uh, right. so technically, uh, streamlined and simplified, but you had to be able to figure these things out. So it, so it sounds like you had a natural curiosity for these things. Yeah. And, and, you know, to your point, um, it's a lot different now. You just didn't know that at that point. Um, right. Videotape was, I think three, three quarter inch or maybe one inch big carts in a big videotape recorder cameras were getting smaller mixers were getting smaller but editing was still really challenging editing audio tape was you know the old-fashioned razor blade and tape yeah. Yeah. um but i i wanted to learn that i i thought that was cool you know you sit there twisting the, the reels back and forth trying to find your edit spot when I saw people who could do this, I was like, wow, that's really cool. I got yeah. that out. How do I learn that? Um, so were, were you able to, to get some training at WVHC on, on cutting tape and getting behind the mic? What was that like? Uh, yes. Uh, they were, you know, in hindsight, I, I worked at a couple of different college stations. And, and in hindsight, they really had their act together. Um, much more than than some of the other places that I had uh, been exposed to you, later on. Um, they were organized. They had 
departments. They had uh, a system to sort of matriculate people and, and get them from one step to another to another. Um, I, I was, you know, in hindsight, uh, I was really impressed. Uh, at the time, it just made sense to me. Here's your, here's your chief announcer, you know, and your, your chief announcer is going to teach you how to announce. And here's the chief engineer, and, and he's going to teach you how to run the board and take meter readings. And uh, here's the music director, and, and he deals with all of the, the music that comes in and catalogs the albums. And, and, and it was just, to me, it was like, this is cool. This is, this is great. And, um, and so, yes, they, they put me on a track where I started to learn to announce and um, very quickly learned what a long, long Island accent is mm-hmm. um, and said, boy, you sound really bad on, on tape. I listened to myself and I was like, wow, uh, you, you got some work to do. Um, so I, I, I actually, I just took it upon myself to just try to correct that really bad Long Island accent. And, um, and, and, uh, and, you know, they worked with us on mic technique and, uh, communicating with the engineer. Cause not everybody comboed at the time. And if you were going to just be a staff announcer, which I think was my first, uh, entree into on-air work, uh, they, they taught you the whole thing. It was, it was really well organized and then well thought out. And, um, and just, you know, it's just impressive. I was impressed with the whole thing. So they, they got me on air uh, doing announcing. And then I put in for a host and I want because I wanted to learn how to host and, and spin records. And um, eventually there was an opening in the folk show, which, you know, this is how badly I wanted to be on air. I hated folk music. <laughs> I, I could not tolerate that stuff and i just tried to sift through and and find as much of the you know the the, the country rock and and the the i don't know the eagles and the dan fogelbergs that fit their format uh right. and 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 just get through it and focus primarily on my on-air skills really i like i don't get too attached to the music here just focus on your on-air skills and um and and that was you know that was great that that was really really a great intro. Hmm. Do you remember getting on the air the first time? And if not the specific time, do you remember your feelings? I mean, you, this, you said this is what you want to do and you're a high school kid coming in. Were you excited? Were you nervous? What What was going on in your mind? Yes. I, I vividly remember the first time, which I was just a staff announcer and you'd come in during breaks uh, and, and read those, those PSAs that I was you know, trying to type up and, and write up in the office. Um, so, you know, the engineer would cue you or, you know, you'd cue the engineer and then you'd read your copy and you'd try to fill 30 seconds. You usually did. It kind of happened pretty, pretty easily because that's how the copy was written. My feelings the first time, I, I was not nervous. I was just excited. There was a lot of adrenaline going on. Um, and then you hear yourself in the headphones and that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's plenty of people who just love hearing themselves on the headphones and can't shut up. But, um, the first time you hear yourself on the headphones is pretty cool. Um, it was just excitement. And then, you know, I had my 30 seconds and, and I was ready for the next one, you know, when's the next break coming? So it was, it was just kind of exciting to me. I, I was not nervous, 
believe it or not. Um, I was probably more nervous going up into the office and typing PSAs on index cards than I was reading on the air, to be, to be really honest. Yeah, well, I think when you first walk in and you're introduced around to the departments, you're again, you're a little bit younger than these guys, but high school versus college, it's it's a little intimidating and you're learning something new, but you had a chance to build up before you got on the air. So I think that's that sounds like a really smart way of doing things rather than kind of throwing you into the deep end and saying, Well, you know, see how you can do. You had some time to think about it. Hey, that was that was their system. You know, that was it was well thought out and, and it made sense. And um, like I said, uh, it, it just was really impressive. Now that I look back on it and it was really an impressive operation they had there. Yeah. And I would you, 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 you've mentioned that a couple of times and it makes me think of you mentioned briefly Jeff Krause. And Jeff, you know, designed the station and, and organized things. And he and he had a, a an ear and an eye on everything. Do you remember meeting Jeff? Do you remember your first impressions of him? I, you know, my first impression was he was just kind of had a, this aura about him and then he'd open his mouth and you'd hear his voice and mm. you'd just be like taken aback. Uh, and you kind of, you know, initially I'm just kind of scared of the guy uh, cause he was an authority authority figure. Um, but he was, I didn't have a, huge relationship with him. I, I know some of the other folks spoke very highly of him. And, and all I can say was I, I knew he liked me. I knew he trusted me. Um, I was there. I was working through the system. He had to approve of that. Um, and and I, I always got a sense that he um, he was okay with, with me being there. And um, very little interaction with him, although I did see him interacting with some of the other folks, and they all did have, um, you know, just the utmost respect for for this person. And um, obviously, because uh, it was his operation, and and it was working at that time, working really well. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned Jim Helfgott being very welcoming and getting you acclimated to the situation who else was around at the time that helped you get started and or yeah. you know maybe people that you worked on some of the shows with yeah um there was there was fred obrock um there was john woodford at the time was i, I think he at that time was the chief announcer and he trained me and he was a really nice guy and and kind of an enigma because look john wasn't a he wasn't small he was average, but he had this voice that just came out of and was like, whoa, where'd that voice go? He had this big, resonant, booming voice. I was like, no wonder he's the chief announcer. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but he worked with me. He was great. Uh, Fred was great. Scott Cinnamon, um, very supportive. Uh, Sue Zizza, very supportive. Um, I worked with, uh, in, in you know, Peripherally with all of them directly. I think I worked with Scott because I did, they were, look, they were great. They let me do sports. Um, and I did sports, football games and basketball games with Todd, Todd Ant. And, mm. um, and we had a blast and, uh, the football was great because I had played football and I knew football well, 
basketball, it was just, you know, desperation, I think, because <laughs> I was doing color on basketball and I had absolutely no clue about the the uh, the inner workings of, of basketball. It was it was hilarious. You know, oh, looks like they're in the four and one, Todd. <laughs> Todd would give me the okay, like, oh, that was good. You know, it's like, they're in the four quarters now because they got a big lead. They're killing the clock. Something you can't do anymore in college basketball, but they did it back then. Right. Um, so it was a, it was a blast. Uh, and and so I was doing the sports, uh, the football, the basketball, traveling occasionally, going to some schools up in New England to do games. It was fun. Um, Scott was very supportive of that. Uh, and then um, as as I continued to work my way in, I I was introduced to someone who turned out to be a, a close friend for the time was a guy named Bob Goldsmith. And, mm. and, and Bob was, uh, Bob was a character. Bob was a trip. Um, he, he was, uh, I'm not sure what he was doing at the station at the time. I don't know if he had a show, but he was always hanging out. <laughs> he was always <laughs> yeah. Anytime I was there, Bob showed up or Bob was there. Um, and then we we just kind of connected and started hanging out and talking music and um, you know just really bonded on music and I, I guess at, at certain point uh, I was hosting and maybe we were both hosting that late night rock show and um, and Bob had a, an idea and a vision. He was very plugged into to the new music scene at the time, and he was he was playing a certain kind of music. I was peripherally aware of it, but not as as deeply involved as Bob. And to make a long story short, the the two of us started to think about how to carve a niche in that in that late night rock block that that just sounded a little bit more unique and less like your average commercial rock station. And mm-hmm. um, the thing that really got me curious and, and, and really motivated was there was a station in New York at the time called WPIX, and they were playing a lot of this music that, that Bob was, was um, promoting and, and, and behind. And, and they went under. Um, and then a light bulb went off in my head with what Bob was saying, which is, okay, we can maybe fill a void. You know, the, the programmer in my head started to think, um, this makes sense now. We, there's something we can do where we can actually fill a void and, and maybe even peel off some of, of that listenership. And, and, you know, so together, Bob and I started crafting the format for what later became the, the post-punk progressive pop party. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not really sure how Bob convinced management. I, I don't remember how Bob convinced management to make the transition to this show. Maybe we just started doing it on a, on a nightly basis when we both hosted. I can't remember, but... In, in his inimitable way, Bob kind of took over that block and brought in hosts. <laughs> it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. I mean, he brought in hosts from outside. He brought in some hosts who were at WPIX. Um, 
And it was, it was just, I, I, I don't know. I think, honestly, I think Bob and I were like Beaver and Eddie Haskell, where I, I think management in a way trusted me and they were always a little suspect of Bob. But yeah. since I was involved, they, they, they went along with it. I, I really think there was a, I was the designated driver in their, in their eyes. Because <laughs> um, Bob was always pushing the envelope. And, and give credit to him for doing it. Because it, it did become something of, of note eventually. But um, the, the only thing I think we differed on was he kept bringing in people from the outside. And look, I was a person from the outside. So who am I to speak? But he kept bringing in like professionals to, to start hosting this show. And, and in my mind, yeah, it's great because they have a following and people know who they are. And we can actually learn from them if we sit there and watch them. But it was taking away from, you know, students mm-hmm. doing that. So, you know, it, it, I mean, he brought in this, the guy who named it the post-punk progressive pop party, his name, if I remember correctly, was Paul Schiller. Mm-hmm. And he was a character um, and, and a really good on-air personality. But I don't know. Bob just brought him in. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this guy, Paul's going to start doing a show. I said, who's Paul? He's, he's a guy uh, who was listening and he called me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're giving him the keys to the car and he's going to be driving. And we don't really know who this guy is. Okay, Bob. You know, let's do it. <laughs> he turned out to be, you know, a really nice guy, a, a good jock, a very, you know, very kind of eccentric. And he came up with that name. Um, if there's any sort of uh, disputes as to who came up with that name, I will go on record right now and say it was it was Schiller who came yeah. up with the post-punk progressive pop party. Um and it's a great name. It's really, it really is. It really it. is. Yeah. Um, so we we had put this together, and and we were playing all of this new. Uh, I, I guess it was post punk is really the best way to con- classify this music. Um, a lot of imports, a yeah. lot of things that that were not getting played anywhere, and um, we created quite a following at, at that point in time. And so yeah, that's that's kind of how it. How, how I kind of got in the door and, and, and I had a regular shift with that show, which was fantastic. It sounds like a really great time. And, and I just talked a, a couple of weeks ago um, with Bob and, and the, the long story short of it is, is that I think the way he portrayed it is he was at the station quite a lot as, as you indicated, uh, not really going to classes. Uh, you and he started working together. And I think, if I remember correctly, the way he characterized it is that you sold the station management on the change of format and that he was going to record stores and buying imports and going to clubs and meeting these people. And it just kept expanding. And I think at one point he said that, that there were, you know, there weren't enough students who were interested in that's why one of the reasons he was bringing in some of the outside folks, but uh, it sounds like a pretty heady time that there were a lot of exciting things going on. Yeah, there were. And and I think he's he's right. I think, like I said, the station, the station trusted me mm-hmm. exactly 
because, you know, I, that's kind of who I am. I'm always a designated driver and I'm always the responsible one. And parents love me to this day. But um, <laughs> that's how we pulled it off, because Bob was a, a little bit of a, you know, a cowboy. Uh, he, he was he was just pushing it. And, and like I said, good for him, because he, he together we, we kind of made it happen. Um, it, it really was his vision uh, to start off with. And then we kind of got together and figured out how to create a format and how to identify the albums, categorize the albums so that, you know, night to night, host to host, show to show, it all sounded the same. And, and that's, that's the part of it that I really loved. That's what I wanted to learn. That's that's programming and that's how you, you know, create some kind of stationality and consistency. And that was great for me. I was really happy to be figuring that out and kind of learning on the job, but it was great. Um, but yeah, maybe there was, uh, you know, again, a long time ago, but it yeah. was an exciting time. It was an exciting time for music. It was an exciting time for radio. There was a lot going on. Um, and, and we kind of jumped on that. And, um, and I think because of the buzz, I think the rest of the station management saw something, something was happening here and, and they, they, they understood clearly they, they did get it. And I think even Jeff got it to a degree that there's, there's something going on here. Um, the fact that there weren't a lot of students, maybe he's right. I don't remember the whole thing. I mean, as time went on, I, I had left at a certain point in, in 1980. And I do think that there were more students getting involved mm. at that time hosting the show. So he's probably right there. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's interesting, because a number of people who were, I've spoken to who were at the station a little bit before you talked about how Jeff was kind of conservative about what went out on the air and he didn't necessarily like some of the rock and roll stuff. And uh, he, he wasn't really open to that. But at the same time, this is the thing that was happening and there were students who were pushing it and it was good. And it's hard to argue with that. Does that sound about right? You know, it, it, I can't, I, yes, it does. I, I, I really never look at, put, look at it this way. Um, I never got any pushback from Jeff or Scott or Sue. And they were at that time station management. I think Jim had graduated and Scott mm -hmm. took over, I think. And, and Sue was had a pro. I don't remember exactly the titles, but I knew they were in charge. And I think they understood that, you know, we had maybe hit on something. Um, and times progress, things change. Uh, Jeff's a smart guy. I think he, he knew that too. You could, you could only stay in a in a certain mode for so long. Yeah. Um, that's part of the, that's part of the media. Um, so we we didn't have a lot of pushback at all. It, again, memory is a little fuzzy, um, but yeah, they were very supportive the whole time I was there. In my case, they were incredibly supportive of me and the whole the whole thing. I'll, I'll just say that. Hmm. And I'll also say that I, I had left and went to uh, NYU. And because of the training that I did get at WVHC, I pretty much moved in and started running the NYU radio station immediately. And wow. it, 
it's only because of the way they brought me along and the opportunities that they gave me and the exposure to the way they were running that station at, at that time. Really helpful. So the training you got at VHC was useful when you went to NYU. What was going on at the NYU station when you arrived there? Well, it was kind of a similar vibe. I would say the NYU station was not run as um, rigid as as Hofstra. They they mm-hmm. didn't, and and this is some of the stuff I brought with me. Um, I wanted to to put in systems of training people and and nurturing people along and getting them from one step to the other. NYU was not like that. It was your typical college radio station where students were there. They showed up they did what they wanted to do there were nothing there was nothing really uh innovative or even educational about what was going on there um so having all of this background um really put me in a in a position to to run the place um and and so i put i put in a lot of the systems that hofstra had as far as teaching people how to announce, um, teaching them the engineering, making it formal. There were people there who knew how to engineer. It just wasn't a formal training. So right. I, I, I tried to help work with them and formalize that and just put in a, a, a process where people can get their, you know, get their feet wet, get some experience, um, and then eventually work their way up to hosting uh, a show on, on the FM on the FM radio station, but I also took that whole programming idea, um, and and I guess really what I did was I put my fingerprint on it. Was mm-hmm. you know I was playing very similar music. They weren't doing it at NYU. We did it. I, I installed it in the afternoon at Hofstra. It was at night. I think it was like eleven to two, if memory serves. Um, so at NYU, I put it on from uh, four to seven in the afternoon. And uh, I changed the presentation a bit. Uh, I, I got a little bit more production heavy. We wanted to sound upbeat. So I implemented a lot of top 40 radio um, techniques uh, into the delivery and the presentation. Um, it was fun. We did a lot of talkovers. We did a lot of, um, I guess, jingles. And we, we cut some some jingles that were much more upbeat and almost silly. It, it definitely had a kid hmm. quality to it because wanted to have fun. So I just added a lot of production value to what, what we were doing at Hofstra, which was pretty much just straight music and back sells and announcing. Um, there was one announcer they brought in that, that Bob brought in who had worked at PIX and he was much more of a, of a personality and, and hyper and had a little bit more of a top 40, um, and, and maybe I, I peeled off some of that uh, as I watched him and, and I, I took some of that with me and injected that into to what we did at NYU. But again, you know, it goes back to Hofstra. Uh, that experience there is what, what gave me a lot of the, the knowledge uh, to do what I did later on at, at NYU. And, and we got a lot, you know, NYU had a big signal too. So, and, and we covered a little bit more of the, the city than, than the Hofstra station did. So we got a lot of, um, a lot of listeners and, and a, a lot of praise at that point for, for doing what we were doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, it, it, it's clear that your 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 couple of years at, at Hofstra at WVHC meant meant a lot to you, and you brought that knowledge with you, and and even beyond your time at NYU, I'm sure. Um, I'd like to ask this, and, and I think I know what your answer is, but you know, when you walked in there at I, I guess 17 years old or so, and you're a high school student, uh, what what did you expect? What did you hope? You know, <laughs> your time would be there, and and you know how. how is there any way to quantify that with what, you know, it actually became? Uh, I, I honestly had, had no idea. Um, I thought I'd just be, you know, a lot of internships are just about exposure. Um, I thought I would watch, I would see, um, people would show me how it's done. And I, I, you know, really just watching is what I thought I'd get out of it, which was fine at that point in time for me, that would have been great. I had no idea that they would take me in and, um, you know, make me part of the club, uh, the way they did. Um, and, and it's like I said at the beginning, it was, it was a great group of people. They were really welcoming. Um, no one there was abusive. No one made me feel bad or out of place. Um, which is your biggest fear when right. you're you're as someone like that entering an environment like that. Um, uh, you know, I, I have nothing but just wonderful things to say about about that experience and the fact that they brought me in and I wasn't even a student. Um, it's it's just it's just fantastic. I'll always have a soft spot for the the Hofstra radio station, even if it's not WVHC anymore. <laughs> and and you've got mom to thank for it. Mom gave you good advice. Pretty, pretty much. Listened. Yeah. Mom, mom did a good job along, along the way. That's, that's for sure. So, um, yeah. And, and mom and dad were always listening and up, up until two in the morning. Uh, oh, gosh. Hofstra, and then always listening. They were happy that I was on earlier in the day at, at, at NYU. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. Uh, oh, that's fantastic. Sal, thank you. This was so much fun. Thank you for sharing these stories and, and sharing your time. I really had a blast hearing this stuff. Thank you. Oh, you're, you're welcome. I, I had fun myself. Thanks for, thanks for looking me up. <laughs>